Hi, Odyssey fans. I'm Bob, producer of the Adventures in Odyssey Club. And I'm Jesse, editor of Focus on the Family Clubhouse magazine. Welcome to the official Adventures in Odyssey podcast. Today, we're exploring the writing, the recording, and the production of this month's club adventure, Showdown in San Poco. Let's hear a preview. This month on the Adventures in Odyssey Club... A question from Lucia inspires Pastor Knox to go down memory lane. Why are you digging in the flower bed? And therein lies the tale. Would you like to hear it? But the story isn't all flowers and good times. Alejandro, we can talk this through. You should not be here, Pastor. Or you either, Senora. This is between me and my brother. A harrowing story of a relationship gone wrong. This month on the Adventures in Odyssey Club. Hmm, that sounds dramatic. And now, let's talk to writer-director Phil Lawler and sound designer Nathan Jones. In our conversation, we're going to come awfully close to spoiler territory, so if you haven't heard the adventure, you probably want to pause this podcast and go listen. But if you have heard the show, you're about to learn how it was created. Let's talk to Phil and Nate. Phil and Nate, it's so great to have you on the podcast again. It's great to be here. It's great to be back here on the podcast again. (laughs) Well, Phil, let's start with you, because this is an alliance show with the ministry Healing Hands International, but originally the tie-in was going to happen in last season's episode, So On and So Forth. So how would the Magi boxes worked into that story? Well, actually, we, we had planned on spotlighting a different aspect of uh, Healing Hands International in the in the Blizzard shows, mm. it was um, their Women of Hope program, and uh, it's specifically something called the the Dorcas Sewing for Jesus ministry, where women get together and they sew yeah. handmade items, and they get shipped to missionaries and things like that, missionaries, hospitals, things like that, um, orphanages and, and and churches around the world, and uh, some of those items then wind up in Magi boxes, uh, but some of them don't. So. Um, the the bigger story is that um, that those episodes were all kind of interlinked. The, all of the uh, Snow Blizzard episodes were interlinked, and the one that I had written um, had a whole other aspect to it. But uh, but then that episode got uh, revamped and remade into um, what is currently so on and so forth. Uh, but then we still had a problem because we wanted to do this episode. We still had uh, the 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 tie in with the. Uh, with the uh, Healing Hands ministry and the Magi boxes. And so I had to figure out really, really quickly. I was in the middle of a move right at that point. That was right, right. when we were moving to Arizona. And so I'm thinking, um, I'm in a hotel room um, packing up the last remnants of our house in California so we could come out here and bring them out here. And I'm spending the night in San Dimas, California, in a hotel room. And I'm thinking, I've, still, I've got a deadline. We've got to, have to, we've got to have another script. We've got to have another script. What can we do? And then uh, uh, God helped me out here, and the Lord provided. And so now we have uh, this episode. So that's right? the, that's the long the long way of telling a very short story. The, the creative <laughs> process is is never you know very clean sometimes. So so Bob, no. uh, why didn't you go exactly in that original direction you were thinking? In addition to what Phil shared, uh, Phil, you'll remember that um, one of the conversations we had is that with the ladies in the sewing club in your episode, which was very funny, very funny script. Yeah. there was a lot of conflict there. They weren't getting along well, and we just didn't feel that that represented maybe the spirit of what Healing Hands right. is all about. So Phil and I, we asked our friends over to HHI if they'd mind holding off just a bit till we found the right story. And I think we've done yeah. that. 
Yeah, and that brings us to Showdown in San Poco. So, Phil, <laughs> where did the story about the two brothers come from? Was that like one of those true stories with Healing Hands? If memory serves, that had some aspects of um, some of the stories. If you go onto their website, they have a lot of different stories about uh, about how the Magi boxes have helped kids uh, throughout the years. And uh, but but I don't recall specifically that there was a story about two brothers and one went one direction, one went the other direction. It was it was more like taking little aspects here. Again, it's the creative process. You take a little aspect of this story, a little aspect of that story, and you kind of pull them together into a cohesive narrative. And uh, and I thought, well, this is perfect for for Wilson. So what kind of conflict could we have? Well, let's figure out uh, a way of setting uh, brother against brother, which is always a really good conflict. Yeah, can you tell us, Phil, what parts of the story maybe did come from or were inspired by uh, specifics that you read about healing hands? And also, there's a fun story about the bubbles that were once part of the story. Yes, yeah, I was just going to say that. That's really the biggest. If you want to know the truth, that's really the thing that I I did take right from the website. Um, so one of the very first Magi boxes that was ever made uh, and sent out to a child. Uh, had soap bubbles in it, you know, the blowing little, you blow the soap bubbles come up and all that stuff. And it it had that in it. And I put that in the script originally. And then Bob, I think you came back and said, they don't do that. They they don't they don't uh, right put, no liquids uh, bubbles, in the boxes no liquids right. in in the boxes and I said but that's in the that's on their website and, he, and you <laughs> said well you know not anymore I mean <laughs> just can't, they can't do it anymore and so as it turned out we changed it into a little harmonica a little toy harmonica which works better anyway um, sound wise it works better audio wise mm. and a theme of this episode and actually of our podcast today is how small things can make a big difference. So was that always the theme you had in mind when you were writing this story? Yes, yes, actually it was. It's a theme I've uh, uh, gone back to many times, uh, most notably, I think, in the episode The Toy, um, where mm-hmm. it's a very small things, very, very, very small things, um, when, especially when you don't think that uh, you're doing any good, that what you're doing... You're doing a ministry, let's say. You're doing good uh, works for people. You're, you're out there um, helping folks in your own lives. Uh, and, you, and you think, what, what good is this? Why, why, why are we doing this? It doesn't seem to be helping at all. Um, and then you realize, no, this little thing that you do, this very little silly thing that you do, could make the difference in a person's life. It could set the course for their life, for better or worse, uh, it could set the course for their life throughout the for, for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. The little things that you do are things that God uses, and you are meant to do them. And that is a comforting thought. It's not you at work; it's God working through you. Yeah. And that that is something we should always remember in everything that we do. And that's the reason why we need to do good stuff. We need to do this. Is the Bible talks about works set out for us in advance that God has put this work out for us, set set out works for us to do in advance. And that's what we should do. Find those works and do them and not despair and not think, even if we don't see immediate results, don't despair. Just keep doing the work. Well, arguably, this recording was affected more by COVID-19 than any other Odyssey adventure. In fact, two of the cast members actually had COVID while they were recording. How did that change the session, Phil? Of course, when anybody is sick or ill or not feeling well or whatever, you know, yeah, coughing. It's uh, Nate. Nate. All right. He just wanted to just no, I'm, reminded I'm, that he's still no, here. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I swallowed wrong. Excuse me. Um, it's, it's obviously going to affect their energy and their, their performance. Uh, it's going to affect how, you know, how much we can do with them. 
And uh, again, in no way, shape, or form am I trying to make excuses for anything, but there were just a lot of other problems here too. We had some technical problems, some technical issues that Nate will talk about in a couple of minutes. But uh, despite the fact, despite the ones who may have been sick and had COVID, uh, they, they, they rose to the occasion and I think they gave some very, very good performances. So, um, you know, it's just those kinds of things that you just be faithful and you continue on and you be patient, as patient as you possibly can be. And we uh, figure out what goes wrong and, and then uh, get, the, get the best work done that we possibly can. So, yeah. Nate, let's pull you in. Um, with COVID, with everything, how did you make everybody sound like they were healthy and in the same place? Like, I'm guessing there's no healthy button you can hit when uh, during. You have a filter for that? Yeah. No, you just have to you have to try to get the healthy take. <laughs> uh, yeah. You just try to find the one that's the the best overall snapshot of what you're trying to get, and um, you know, I think you start there. Uh, I, you know, I I would say that's the approach we have mostly with with all, all the the voice recordings. You know, you look for the best take, but um, it's definitely different when uh, you know you've got energy differences, like Phil was talking about. Well, the recording in California wasn't the only time that we recorded voices for this show. In fact, we had two separate recordings uh, of, of native Spanish speakers here at Focus. Tell us, Nate, about the recording of adults and kids for this story. And, and where did you find these actors? Um, well, luckily, uh, we do have some, some native uh, Spanish-speaking uh, folks here uh, in, in the building at Focus. And so that kind of has to be um, sort of an immediate pull for us mm-hmm. um, because when you're trying to put together crowds and not just crowds but believable crowds you know especially with shows that are um, sort of out of the you know the slice of life odyssey show so anything that takes us to a different country or anything like that you have to pay close attention to those kinds of details so we were able to pull some folks uh, here at focus and uh, you know those folks had some kids and everybody was kind of on board and we just kind of had to go from there. We actually had um, some of our our video editors here at Focus. Um, I got them to play the bad guys at the, fir- at the second scene, I think it is, at the gas mm. station. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got to show up and do the, you know, the typical <laughs> kind of stuff, you know. And, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and they're, and they're always in constant agreement with El Jefe, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and so, and then just, a, just another scene later from that, uh, they're also the same two guys that are sitting outside the cantina. So if you listen to the show, you get the sound of Wilson pulling up and there's just these, you know, locals, local yokels sitting out in front of the cantina talking about stuff. Um, but what's interesting is trying to give them content. Uh, you yeah. know, when you tell people, just fill it out or <laughs> oh, just yeah. walla or just talk yeah. about stuff, yeah. you know, it's um, when someone puts you on the spot like that, it's impossible to talk about anything of value, you know? So it's really funny. It's good liche. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, a lot of surprises were in the show. This one surprised me. Uh, the motorcycle sounds were not really from motorcycles, the sound effects. So uh, what did you use instead? Yeah. So um, <laughs> this is one of the ones that, uh, you know, people often ask, you know, what are the strangest things you've used to make sound effects? Um, and I don't keep a, a, a long list of the things that I do, but this falls under one of those. This is a two-person sound effect. So if you can imagine Christopher Deal standing in the dirt rock surface, uh-huh. and you can imagine me sitting on a sort of a vinyl-covered 
cushion kind of a chair like you would see at a diner or something like that just that kind of that chrome frame with like yeah. a red vinyl on it and uh, and I'm holding my own car keys and I'm straddling this vinyl seat. <laughs> and so Chris is over there on the dirt. He makes the sound of somebody twisting. So you get the sound in the in the foot going through the dirt. And then you've got me like sort of like, you know, saddling up on this <laughs> on this chair and making sure that it has the right squawk and squeak and everything else. And then I've got my keys in my hand and uh, between Chris dancing on the dirt and me riding on this vinyl chair, uh, you get the sound of somebody sitting in the seat of a motorcycle. So, wow. Yeah, they did great work. In fact, uh, a lot of people don't know, Nate, is when Gary Locke delivered the art of, <laughs> yeah. of sort of the locals on the motorcycles, the ones who kind of come up, drive up to uh, Wilson to give them a hard time, uh, one of them looked an awful lot like the sound designer in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> and we, I, I contacted yeah. you because I said, you happen to be a cartel member. Um, <laughs> this artwork. Yeah, it's, it was sort of interesting. You know, I, I don't often get uh, alarming emails from Bob Smithhauser, but when he's like, um, we just need to run this art by you. And I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, I've, you know, it looks great. And I wear sunglasses. So <laughs> this last question is for both of you. Um, I know when you go back and listen to an episode, there are things you love, things you'd love to do over. So what are your thoughts as you look back at this show? Nate? Mm. <laughs> well, the, the things that stick out for me are when you get to do um, emotional bits with montage uh, and when yeah. you step back and when you listen to montage things, you know, we hear these kids and we hear these gangsters and we hear this stuff and um, it's a lot of voices and it's some reverbs and it's some some things that just kind of create that, um, that phantom kind mm. of feeling in the mind. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The echoes of memory that yeah. you kind of had yeah. for the kids. Yeah. Uh, exactly. You did a yeah. great job with that. Yeah. I, I would concur with Nate on that. I think that we have been doing more and more of that. I know that I have uh, in my scripts on Odyssey, and I really like it. I really like that. Um, first of all, I really like the idea of getting a, an actor who uh, and giving them a monologue. They're telling a story. They're actually telling a story. And then turn it over to you know our world-class production team, and they then uh, add those audio um, you know the audio echoes. What you're talking about that whole the whole idea of these memories, the the things that are going on, it just enhances it so well. And and everybody's at the top of their game. There, you have the actor at the top of their game. Yeah. You have the writer at the top of their game. You have the production people at the top of their game. The music is at the top of his game, and it just it just opens up this vivid picture in your head uh, of what's going on. You're there. You're inside of it. And uh, and I, I I love that kind of thing. I love that kind of thing in this script. I loved it in the. Um, in the Christmas bells story, and uh, and and I'm I'm hoping we can do more of that. I really uh, there's more of that coming up in, in other episodes, and I really really uh, I really like that mode of storytelling. Well, it's always fun to have the writer on. It's always fun to talk sound design. We got to do both today. So, guys, thank you so much for being with You're us. You're very welcome. Thank you. And that was that was awesome. Thank you. You can hear Showdown in Sam Poco on the club right now. And hopefully, you already have. Following along with the theme of this episode, 
about shining a light and making a difference, there's a big event happening tomorrow. That's right. This year's Bring Your Bible to School Day is October 6th. This nationwide event is a student-led movement to read and treasure Scripture as God's holy word, uh, to encourage others with the hope we have in Christ Jesus, and to celebrate our religious freedoms here in the United States. To find out more and how it ties into our theme today, let's hear from Emerson Collins, the program director of Bring Your Bible to School Day. Emerson, thanks for joining us. I know you're really busy this time of year. Uh, Of course, Bring Your Bible to School Day is an annual event. Tell us what is different about this year's special day. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, Bring Your Bible to School Day changes a little bit every single year. But this year, our theme is Go and Shine God's Light. Our theme verse this year is Psalm 119, 105, which is your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Mm -hmm. God's word is our guiding light, and it's also a light worth sharing to the world. Cool. The the theme of our Odyssey podcast is how a small action can make a big difference. So I've got to ask, how have you seen this workout with Bring Your Bible to School Day? Oh, that is a great question, Jesse. We get stories every single year, countless stories of teachers and students writing in about the impact that they've made on their community, in their communities, in their classrooms. So uh, a story that I could mention from a student uh, is that they started a Bible study out of this day. So from bringing their Bible to school and simply opening it up during a a reading time or a, a, a free period, they are then exposed to other believers in their classroom. Some other believers have seen them opening up their Bible and then they're connected with other believers in their classroom. And we get so many stories every year of people starting Bible studies with people and friends they didn't even know were Christian in the first place. And so that's one of the most common stories that we get. And one of the biggest things that comes out of the Bring Your Bible to School Day event, and it comes from a simple act of just bringing your Bible and opening it up on your desk on that day. Another great story we got was from a teacher who brought his Bible, and actually he consistently brought it every single day to Mm. class, and he just put it on his desk, and it was just there, and students could see that his Bible was on his desk. Mm. And little did we know that 40 years later, somebody would write in to us and say, this person made an impact in my life Mm. just by bringing their Bible to school. And this was a teacher. How much more can the students impact one another among their peers, among their friends? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love seeing how Bring Your Bible to School Day has grown over the years. Mm -hmm. And of course, every year we feature stories in Clubhouse and Club Junior of kids who participated in Bring Your Bible to School Day and, and the awesome things that God has done through them. So how would you encourage listeners of this podcast to take part tomorrow? Oh, man. Well, regardless of if you are a student in school or not, I encourage you to bring your Bible with you wherever you go on October 6th, 2022, this year. Bring your Bible with you and take a bold stand in your faith and go and shine God's light and show the love of Jesus Christ to those around you. It starts by just carrying your Bible, and this simple act of faith can lead to something so much bigger. We're trusting that the Lord will do something big on this day through you. Yeah, and we can all take part by praying that God opportunities will happen. Yes, yes, certainly. Prayer is a huge part of it. And actually, we encourage our 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 participants, every single week, we have a, a specific prayer that we would like you guys to do. The first week, um, we ask people to pray for their teachers and their faculty and staff. The next week, this is this is the month leading up to the event. Yeah. The next week, we can encourage you to pray for 10 friends that, you're, that are just on your mind. The week after that, we want you to pray for your principal and for your community. And then the week, the final week leading up to it, find somebody that 
really personally is on your heart that you know needs to hear the love of Jesus, needs to hear the gospel, and pray for them specifically that you might impact them on that day. Well, mm. tomorrow's the big day. We're looking forward to being in prayer for it. And, and then for in the days that follow, in the weeks that follow, we continue to pray that the seeds that were planted on Bring Your Bible to School Day will actually take root. Certainly, certainly. Emerson, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. You can learn more about Bring Your Bible to School Day at bringyourbible.org. And again, that day is tomorrow, Thursday, October 6th. That's all for this edition of the official Adventures in Odyssey podcast, a presentation of Focus on the Family. You can join the club or find out more about the podcast at adventuresinodyssey.com. For more about anything we talked about in today's show, you can call us at 1-800-A-FAMILY. I'm Bob. And I'm Jesse, reminding you that with God in your life, every day is an adventure.